a mighty jolt hit the ark, sending Al flying into the moose's stall. Animals were screeching and yelling with fear. The elephants sounded their trumpet calls with their trunks as they crashed onto the floor, nearly squashing the mice that were in their stall. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. But wait, there's more! Now you can also download our latest audiobook, The Voice, the Revolution, and the Key. It takes place in colonial America and focuses on the life of Patrick Henry, whose incredible stirring words made him the voice of the American Revolution. And hey, Max, Liz, and the entire Epic Order of the Seven are there too, helping Patrick Henry and the rest of our founding fathers pave the way to liberty in America. Now both of these amazing stories were written by Jenny L. Cody, and each of these audiobooks can now be purchased by logging on to audible.com. And by the way, we sincerely thank you. Okay, now, uh, on today's episode, uh, I'm assuming we'll hear chapter 57 from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. Assuming? He is assuming? Uh oh, Max. Sounds like Monsieur Denis has gone off the rails again. No, just give him another moment, lass. We'll see. And I would imagine later on we'll probably head to Jenny's corner and... Probably? No doubt our author friend Jenny Cody will have some really great insight on on stuff. I mean, that's probably what's going to happen. Oh boy, you may be right, Liz. Sounds like announcer lad aren't exactly bringing his A-game. Max, he doesn't have an A-game. Aye, tis true. Just more like a B minus. On a good day. And I don't want to just assume anything or jump to conclusions here, but I'll take a wild guess and introduce our hosts, who I think will be Max, who is presumably a dog, and Liz, who's probably a cat. Uh, Monsieur Denis? Well, what do you know? <laughs> it's Liz, and she's a cat, and Max, who is indeed a dog. Oh, bravo, mon ami, bravo! <laughs> You know, Max, they say the mind is the first thing to go, eh? Aye, and his be like that bunny. It just keeps going and going. Uh, lad. Yeah? Sit. Okay. Stay. Uh, now. Are you all right, lad? Hmm? Are you not sleeping well, then? Or perhaps uh, too much chocolate. He eats way too much chocolate. No, no, no chocolate. Uh, no chocolate. It's just that, well, after last week, when things weren't always what they seem... I'm just being really careful. I mean, there's something that happens in this week's chapter, and I don't want to jump to any conclusions or anything. Well, I suppose that is wise. I mean, you can't just assume. You can't be too careful, you know. Well, perhaps you cannot be too careful, but... But you're right up to the fence there, lad. Let life come to you a wee bit. Well, you say that now, but wait till you hear what happens this week. Why? What happens, lad? Don't you remember? Uh, no, I don't really remember. Well, I do remember I were rescued out of the water, but I'm blanking out on what happened next. I just don't remember. It weren't more bad stuff, I hope, were it? Well, I mean, I don't remember either. Great Scott! Liz, you're a thinking lass. Uh, what should we do then? 
As far as I can tell, there is only one thing we can do. Liz, you don't mean... We. Oui. I'm afraid so, mon ami. Anything. I'll do anything. Monsieur? Yeah? You must... What? Read the chapter. Oh, yeah. That. Right. Aye, lad. <laughs> a B minus. On a good day. Chapter 57. The Mountain. Things were quiet for a while after that surge of trouble. Max recovered from his scary fall and spent a lot of time being quiet. For a few weeks, he didn't wish to see anyone. Wolves, Charlie, Shem, no one. He just wanted to be with Kate in their stall. Shem came by frequently to check on Max just to make sure he was okay. Noah and his family thought the little dog was nothing short of a hero, something, of course, the animals already knew full well. Nothing went missing again, and Liz canceled the tour of stalls so as to not add to the upset feelings of the animals. Raja was not happy, but Liz knew it was the right decision. The male inhabitants were thrilled. No more tours. Talent Night and Flamingo Robics continued, of course, but there seemed to be a dwindling enthusiasm among the animals. Tensions remained, and a feeling of mistrust grew among the animals as the weeks passed. Liz, Max, Kate, and Al continued to discuss the troubling events as the mysterious wind returned. The sudden fire, followed by Noah's and Max's brush with death, caused fresh speculation to grow. Max remained wary of the wolves, but as usual, the wolves kept to themselves and never spoke to the other creatures. Max kept his eyes always on the alert, just waiting for the wolves to do something wrong. Then he would have them where he wanted them. Charlie believed Max, and that made him feel better to know he had an ally. Liz didn't rule out the wolves as the source of trouble. She even said they were the most likely candidates, but at this point, there just wasn't enough proof. She said they would have to wait for the truth to emerge. One thing that wasn't quiet for two and a half months was the wind. It blew and howled and whipped through the rafters in the upper deck, frequently scattering feathers from the birds down to the lower levels. It never ceased, day or night. Still the water remained, with no dry land in sight. One day, as Al walked along the lower corridor on his way to see Java, a mighty jolt hit the ark, sending Al flying into the moose's stall. Animals were screeching and yelling with fear. The elephants sounded their trumpet calls with their trunks as they crashed onto the floor, nearly squashing the mice that were in their stall. The mice went running into the horse stall, where Giorgio and Pauline reared up on back legs in fright. The fainting goat was so terrified, he didn't recover immediately, but stayed stuck with legs up in the air. Upendo cried out to Chipo, Whiplash! A good whiplash! Chaos spread throughout the ark. The spider's web broke off from flying debris. And I worked all morning on that design, said Takako, the Japanese jumping spider. Her husband, Masami, tried to console her. Common, Nosai. I'm sorry. You can spin one even better later. For now, hide. Crikey, that was a rip snorter of a jolt. I wonder what that was all about. 
Boomer shouted above the chaos. I think we should pray. The world could be coming to an end. Stuart, the praying mantis, exclaimed. He and Cookie were visiting the kangaroos that morning. Nah, that already happened, bloke. The end of the world came with the flood, remember? Boomer exclaimed, hopping over to the mantids. Can it be an aftershock, then? Cookie said, folding her hands in prayerful thought. Well, it's sure part of the package. Hey, now, we'll give it a fair go and see what's going on. No worries. Boomer jumped out of his stall to see if he could see anything. Many animals were hovering around the corridor, talking and trying to learn all they could from their neighbors. When Al opened his eyes from the traumatic bump, he found himself sitting in Rodney the Skunk's lap. Don't shoot! I, I couldn't help it! Something flew me across the corridor! Al screamed. Relax, Al. I am not going to shoot you, eh? That was quite a jolt. I don't know what happened, Rodney replied as Al scrambled off his lap to stand up. All the stalls were out of order. Buckets were knocked over, hay was scattered everywhere, and animals were moaning as they slowly and fearfully got to their feet. Al saw Crinan and Bethu flying up above and yelled out to them, Hey, Crinan, what happened? Crinan looked below and found the source of the call. We're going up to check it out now, lad. Things are a bloomin' mess up here. Al started walking back toward his stall, but then picked up his pace to a full run. It felt like the ark hit something. And if it hit something, who knew if it would stay afloat? Al panicked. He had to find Liz. Craddock, can you tell me what you see, s'il vous plaît? Liz calmly asked out the porthole that Racket had drilled for her, trying to piece together what was happening. Uh, permit me to take a look around and I'll report back, the whale replied as he disappeared beneath the surface. Max held Kate in a secure embrace. She was quite shaken with the crash. What did he say, lass? Max asked Liz. Liz slowly curled her tail up and down on the rock as she peered out their porthole. She was studying the outside as best she could. Craddock is assessing the situation beneath the water and will report back. I sent Kleinen and Bethu to give us an aerial report. We should know something soon. Liz looked at Racket's marks on the beam. It's been five months since the flood began. Hmm. A spray of water misted Liz's face as Craddock surfaced near the porthole. I do say... I believe you've made landfall, my dear. It appears that the ark is wedged on to a rock. A jolt of energy shot through Liz. Merci, Craddock, but that's no ordinary rock. It's got to be the top of a mountain. Uh, tell me, what is the sea life doing? Well, many of the sea creatures have been departing for weeks now as the waters have receded. If the Ark has indeed landed on top of a mountain, I'm afraid I'd better join them to make my way back home, Craddock explained. Is Max nearby? I wish to bid him farewell. But of course, I'll get Max. It has been enchanting to meet you, Craddock. I hope to see you again some day. Au revoir, Liz said 
as she motioned for Max to come over to her. "'It was utterly splendid to meet you, Liz. I was thrilled to be able to spend time around the Ark throughout this time of waiting. If you return to France, I shall swim the channel over to see you.' "'Farewell,' Craddock said as his warm eyes smiled back at Liz. Max hopped up on the rock and poked his head out to see Craddock. "'Craddock, I hate to tell you farewell, then. It's been grand to see you in these waters, and I can't thank you enough for saving me life.' "'It was my duty, my privilege, old boy. Yes, and parting is indeed such sweet sorrow. I do hope you'll return to Scotland so I can see you and Kit again,' Craddock said, now becoming quite emotional. "'And, Max, know that Gilliman would be terribly proud of all you have accomplished on this mission. You are a natural-born hero, old chap.' Max lowered his head. He was indeed a hero, but lately he didn't feel like much of one. It still stung his heart to think of Gilliman. Telling Craddock goodbye was like telling Scotland goodbye all over again since he was such a part of Max's life back home. Yes, back home. Who knew what would await them there? The flood would have wiped out everything. Max was grateful that Gilliman had died before the flood. To think of his mentor caught up in the drowning waters made Max shudder. Yes, it was good that Gilliman had died when he did. Thanks, my friend. I hope I see you back home. I'll keep an eye out for you then, Max said to Craddock. Right. Uh, cheerio, then. Uh, do tell Kate and Al farewell. Uh, Ta-ta, Craddock bellowed as he blew one final spray of water before descending into the depths. Max watched until he saw the swirl of water around Craddock disappear. Goodbye, old friend, he whispered to himself. He cleared the lump in his throat, and then turned to Liz. So, what now, lassie? Crinan and Bethu came flying into their stall, landing on the rock. Guess what? You won't believe what's happened, Crinan said excitedly. We've landed on top of a mountain, no? Liz said, matter-of-factly. Crinan looked deflated. He wanted to tell the good news. How did you know, then? Craddock gave us the word from beneath the sea. Uh, what can you tell us from the aerial view? Liz asked, snapping out her paw to lick it clean from the salt water. Well, you really can't see much yet. There's still water everywhere, but I knew the ark must be stuck from the way it's resting on something, the seagull explained. This calls for a closer inspection. I need to go to the upper deck. Anyone care to join me? Liz said as she jumped down to walk out of the stall. Just then Al made his way to the stall and grabbed Liz by the shoulders. Liz, something terrible has happened. Everything has crashed over and the animals are upset and we might be sinking and... Shh! Albert, there is nothing to fear. The ark has landed on a mountain top. We are not sinking, dear. This is good news, Liz explained, wishing to calm Al's fears. Al sat back and closed his eyes in relief. Well, 
That's the best news I ever heard. You mean we can get off now? Uh, no, no, it will still be quite some time, I believe. You must be patient, Albert. Liz said with a smile and her dainty paw under Al's chin. Liz led the others to the upper level. Even though there were some bumps and bruises from the landing, this was a great day. Everyone wanted to find out as much as they could about the exciting developments aboard the Ark. They had landed. It wouldn't be too much longer that they would be aboard. Or so they thought. Little did they know that they were on a mountain nearly 17,000 feet tall. Water wasn't going anywhere soon. So our first impressions of the jolt in question were incorrect uh, due to insufficient data and a lack of accurate intelligence. Aye, and we just didn't know everything. We, uh, lack of intelligence. What? Did you just call me? No. Oh, I thought I heard you call me. I just said lack of intelligence. If the shoe fits. Max! Uh, today, though, as we head to Jenny's Corner, uh, and to give Monsieur a little credit, our story did seem to be a lesson about uh, jumping to conclusions. So here's Miss Jenny with more on this topic. It's really easy to jump to conclusions, isn't it? If something falls, or you hear a loud noise coming from the other room, you might say, what was that? And you come running to figure out what it was. And sometimes it's nothing like we ever imagined. And I can tell you that the real Liz has knocked things over off my desk before, and I came running to see what it was. Well, no, isn't that interesting? So, you like to knock things... Shh! Do not interrupt. Aye. <laughs> you were saying, madame? And that's what happened on the ark. When I first thought, what did it look like when the ark made landfall and rested on a mountain? Well, it would be a jolt. And I thought, what would that look like for the animals, for the humans? They, of course, would wonder, what in the world's going on? Did we hit something? Are we okay? How should we handle it? Well, this has been a journey for each of the humans and each of the animals, and Liz's journey in particular has been one of learning to expand her faith. She's always used her intellect to figure things out, and she will. But as we try to figure out when things jolt us, the first thing I think we need to do is to pray. The first thing we should do is say, Lord, help me figure this out. What just happened? And then examine the evidence. Go learn all that you possibly can about what just happened and jolted you. Get to the bottom of it. Talk things out. If friends or family are involved, talk it out with them. Ask questions. It's okay to want answers for things that jolt us that we can't quite figure out. And then we need to do all we can about whatever that jolt did, whether it's something that broke or something that hurt us or something that we just weren't expecting and we just aren't quite sure what to do next. We pray about it. We ask for guidance and directions. We do all that we can. And then we wait. And we trust. Uh, good advice as always, Miss Jenny. Thank you. And some great insights, eh, Liz? Oh, here we go. That's right. 
You like to knock things on the floor, don't you? We? I am a curious feline. It is what we do. We merely seek to understand the ramifications and study the results of everyday objects when they are subjected to the effects of gravity and the related applied physics. <laughs> Admit it. You like knocking stuff on the floor. You are just having fun. Well, <laughs> it is quite enjoyable. We. Oui. And what about you, Max? If I knock something on the floor, you come over and sniff it or try to eat it? Ugh! Dogs. Cats. People. Huh? Nothing. But Miss Jenny did have a good point. When life gives us a jolt, first pray and ask for guidance, then gather information. And Liz, you did that well by getting the different perspectives. Aye, that be true. You got Craddock to give you the lowdown, uh, down low, and you got Cranin for the bird's eye view. Well done, Kitty. Uh, well, merci, gentlemen. Uh, different perspectives can give us uh, different information. Aye, and the bottom line is we trust the Maker. After all he saved us from in the Ark, he weren't going to let us down. And yet the Ark was now stuck on top of a mountain, and both people and animals were beginning to wonder, when was the Maker going to, uh, let them down from there? On our next episode, Noah will begin to explore the answer to that all-important question. So, don't miss it. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books in print by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. Au revoir, mes amis.